This is episode 77 of the Rising Man podcast with Nick Warner. A good orgasm is satisfying, but a great orgasm can be a revelation. Blessings, Rising Man fam, and a very warm welcome back to the Rising Man podcast. If you don't know by now, I'm your host and the creator of the show, Jetty Azuma, pleased to be hosting this episode of the Rising Man podcast. And boy, oh boy, do we have a hot one for you today. Before we dive in, I am pleased to announce our fall lineup of men's events and initiations. Our brand spanking new offering, Call of the Warrior, is a one-day event where we will ignite our masculine power through the ceremonial war dance of the Maori people, the haka. If you've ever seen the haka perform before, this is your opportunity to learn the rich history of it, to learn how to do and perform the haka, and to do so with a hundred men on Venice Beach, Saturday, September 7th in Los Angeles. For more information, you can go to rise.jediazuma.com slash warrior. It's all over the socials right now, so you'll find some links and information there as well. We will also be assembling our next Compass crew to prepare for a four-day vision fast. Men who are seeking purpose, who are seeking clarity, this is the best way to spend four days fasting in prayer and solitude, getting clear on what your life is for, what your vision and mission is all about. Our first call for this next group was going to be the second week in September, and the fast will be the week of October 25th to November 2nd. We've only got eight spots, which will go fast. I promise you guys, guys have been asking me about this since the one we did back in April, and I've already got men who are committed to participating. So if you're interested, message me directly on Instagram at Jetty Azuma or on Facebook Messenger for more information. All right. My guest for today is a man by the name of Nick Warner. Nick achieved the societal version of success only to realize how truly unhappy and unfulfilled he was. He left his marriage and his career to go on a five-year journey through Central and South America, India, and Southeast Asia to discover the most powerful methods of healing and transformation in an effort to elevate his own consciousness and to transform his own life. Through various schools, courses, workshops, coaches, mentors, Nick discovered the methods and practices he needed to transcend old traumas and beliefs around sexuality, as well as how to master sexual energy. He now runs men's circles and workshops in Berlin and is a sexual empowerment coach for men. It's a juicy topic, fellas. Trust me. I know this is this is an edgy one for us to talk about. Guys don't like to talk about sex. We like to talk about banging and having sex, but we don't talk about actually the details of having sex. Really, really interesting. So anyway, in this episode, we discussed why sex is associated with being a self-initiation into manhood. How we how do we teach our children about sex? It's a really important conversation. What are we teaching our children about sex or not teaching them about sex? We talked about porn as an indicator for where we are on our own sexual journey. If you need porn to be aroused, then there's some rewiring that needs to be done in order to get full sexual satisfaction and pleasure. We talked about a woman being turned on by presence, not by constant movement and constant stimulation. The importance of self-sexual discovery and knowing our own bodies before we can give of ourselves freely to someone else. We spoke about ejaculation and orgasm being two separate things which completely blew my mind. I've never thought of it that way. We talked about the art of semen retention, how Tantra goes well beyond sex. It's about expanding your whole life, your whole personal life philosophy. One of those beliefs within Tantra is that you have about 5,000 ejaculations worth of Jing, the life force, over your whole lifetime. Only 5,000. 
I know some people who used half of those in a year. <laughs> so uh, thinking about that is a really fascinating concept. And last but not least, being able to control when we ejaculate is not a skill for enlightened masters. It's something that we're all capable of doing with a bit of practice and a little bit of information. I'll leave the rest up to Nick to explain to you guys without further ado, Nick Warner. All right, Rising Man fam, got another amazing guest on the show today coming live from Berlin. I think this is the first time we've ever had a European guest. Well, you're not European, but you're tuning in from Europe, right? Originally from Australia. Nick Warner, my brother. How you doing, man? I'm very well, brother. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for taking time to be here with us today, man. Absolutely. Um, especially on this topic of sexuality. I find that this is something that's Still very strange and unfamiliar for men to talk about. Would you say that that's your experience as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those topics that men find difficult to have conscious conversation about. It's generally when we've we've spoken about sex, it's kind of been in a locker room style of conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and this is something that is changing and I think has still a long way to go. But mm -hmm. conversations that I've had with men and continually have with men, there's also a curiosity. So it's a very, it's an open conscious conversation about it is a very beautiful thing. And it's nice that I can be part of that, for sure. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, that's what we're gonna be doing today is having a very open and conscious conversation about sexuality. But before we do that, let me ask you the question that I lead off with in every interview. What is the difference between a boy and a man? Nice question. I think a boy is somebody that is in a continuous state of learning and seeking and consequences and sometimes blaming and sometimes completely unsure, but still in this process of learning. And this can continue on into manhood, but I think a man is somebody that then takes responsibility for that learning and takes responsibility for the consequences of his actions. When you look at it from an archetypal perspective, you have like the hero of the boyhood who does everything for himself and he's trying to prove himself to break away from his parents. Whereas you look at the warrior and he does things with a higher purpose and he does things for others, not just for himself. Mm. And he takes responsibility. And then you have the king who lives a life of purpose and he blesses others and he texts and he he's decisive in his actions and in, in his words mm -hmm. this is something for me is some is especially this king energy where somebody is decisive and has purpose or does things with purpose and i think that for me makes a man rather than mm -hmm. the boy who's continually kind of looking and, and searching and seeking mm. I really like that explanation. And I think it's actually a perfect overlay for the conversation we're going to have about sexuality, especially sexuality for men. Because boys, when, when we discover our sexuality for the first time and we get those hormones surging, it's very much about us. <laughs> and and how, can I, how can I access this high, high state of pleasure the quickest, the easiest? And in this conversation that we're about to have about Tantra and all these other sexual practices that can amplify sexuality, it, it can flip from what's in it for me to how can I be of service and, and be in a greater connection and conversation with with myself and with other other people, my sexual partners. So it's, it's kind of interesting that you bring that definition in right before we have this conversation about sex, because I think that's also a big problem. So many men 
are still very much boys when it comes to sexuality. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that the fact that in the West there is no rite of passage, when boys become physically men, we go out looking, how do I become a man? Whether it's through drugs and alcohol or fighting or sex, they try to do things to prove to themselves and to others that they are men. Mm. So we have this society of men who are psychologically still boys. And sex is one of the mm. most common ways that they try and achieve this. Mm-hmm. How many men, how many women can I sleep with? How, what different ways I can do it and what kind of achievements can I get through sex? Mm-hmm. And this is, this is a very large cause of the, of the unconscious sexuality that we have, mm. especially since most men, I would say, learn about sex or learn how to have sex by watching porn. And then this in itself has created many, many issues and still does with within relationships and with guys who are addicted to porn. So let's touch on that for a second, because that's something that really fascinates me. The whole the whole porn conversation and and the fact that most boys are educated about sex through porn porn and pornography and etc. What would you say would be an alternative? What, what would be the way, um, you don't, do you have children? No. Okay, so if you, if you had your own children, how would you go about teaching, let's, let's say you have a son. What would be your approach to teaching your son about sex? From the beginning, I would, I would be very open about it and speaking about it. I would not try and hide my intimacy with my partner in front of my, my children. I'm not saying that I would have sex in front of them, but if I was to walk into a room and I would not kiss my, my lover in a, in a beautiful way because my son is there. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to put this stigma on it that it has to be hidden or it has to be like there's any negativity to it. Right. Sex is an incredibly beautiful thing. And because of the way society is, it's been shunned and it's been kind of pushed away to the, into the shadows. Mm-hmm. This then creates a desire in men to kind of get it wherever they can, however they can. And mm. this then brings about this darkness with abuse and these kinds of things. Osho speaks about or spoke about this need for an openness about sexuality in front of children and just this, just to speak about it in the, with the tone of beauty that it has rather than the negativity that, it, that society has kind of created for it. Yeah. To speak about masturbation as a beautiful thing self-pleasure is a beautiful thing mm. not something that should be punished or should be to be told that you shouldn't do it and i think just this this positive conversation about sex and about self-pleasure would create a very different mindset in a child mm. and then they can come to you and, and they can ask questions they can ask you know what's it going to be like or how's this going to work or what happens when and th- there's not going to be this fear where they have to find out somewhere else. So maybe they go look on the internet, they go look at porn, they go ask a kid who might be a couple of years older to just have this open, beautiful conversation with them and to allow them to understand that actually it's okay to talk about it. Yeah, I, and I love what you're saying because I'm, I'm in it right now. My, my son is about to turn four years old. For the past six months to a year, he started to discover and play with his penis a little bit more, not not yet in a pleasuring way but he's he's curious about it yeah. and he, he can he can tell that it feels good to investigate that area of his body and my experience was my parent I would see my parents hug and my dad give my mom a kiss like a very very like PG rated type of kiss <laughs> you know when he came home from work but as far as I know my parents only had sex twice in their relationship to have me and to have my my younger brother so to like you like you said you know it was, it's the polar opposite of what you said. Intimacy 
sex, sexuality was not something that was visible in my household. In fact, neither of my parents ever had a conversation with me about sex. It was so uncomfortable for them, especially when it was like there and they're like, okay, he's definitely interested in this. We're not going to have this conversation. So I was, I learned about it through, like you said, pornography, three days of sexual education in sixth grade where they basically showed us a picture of a penis and a picture of a vagina. Um, and, and that was it. It was exactly what you said, learning from older kids who also had no idea about sex, just knew a little bit more than I did. So my wife and I have been in this conversation of how do we want to introduce a healthy relationship and understanding and curiosity of sex to our children? Because we, we have a little daughter now too who was just born. So we've exactly what you said. I said, I'm not going to hide the fact that I want to be intimate and romantic with my partner from my child. I'm not like, we're not going to have sex in the living room while he's standing there. But we're also not going to hide that. We're also not going to, there will be a time where we say, hey, mommy and daddy are going to go have some, you know, we're going to have some time together, some intimate time together in the room, you know, as long as, you know, he's okay and he's old enough to take care of himself. Um, So that it's not this big taboo thing. Because like, you you know, like what you said before about it always happens behind closed doors. It makes us as men want to seek that. It's the forbidden fruit, right? The, The naughty thing that we want more of and have to go about in sort of a sneaky way to get it. And I think that there's a, a, a totally different way that we can hold that as a society. Exactly. I would at some point start to ask him about it. Perhaps you start the conversation rather than waiting for him to come to you and say, oh, you know, what about this? What You just ask him, you know, what are you doing? Do you, does it feel good? Do you like that? And mm-hmm. just make the conversation so it's actually, it's an open thing and he, he feels comfortable about it. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because it, it actually started this week. And it's been happening over the past couple of months here and there where as we said to him, like, hey, because the baby was here, right? And we said, he said, do you know how babies are made? He's like, no. And the first time we said that, he didn't really ask any more questions. But the next couple of times he was like, how how are babies made? And my wife and I kind of look at each other like, oh, this is the moment where we take that step off the cliff and say, well, you know. When, when a man and a woman want to make a baby, the man puts his penis inside of the vagina. And, and we also explain in context of this is something that adults do. This is something that you do when you're ready to be a father. So that even though if he's, he's three and a half, so how much does that really land? But he's getting that message from the beginning. Right. So yeah, like feeding that curiosity. And at, at some point, he cuts it off and he'll start talking about Legos or Tarzan because he just kind of loses interest. But when he is interested... We we're making an effort to feed that, and it's it's it, I'll be I'll be fully transparent. It's definitely awkward territory because I never had that experience. We're making it up as we go. That's not my experience with that I had with my parents, or even saw with any of my other friends and their parents. Yeah. So it's yeah, it, it's kind of we're we're, nice work, we're redefining the culture of our family, and it's it's exciting and it's also edgy. Yeah, just lean on into that edge. Well, because here's here's the other thing. Here's what really makes it edgy is he goes to a preschool with a bunch of other parents who are pretty alternative, right? Like very much like alternative minded folks. And we know that as soon as he comes in and starts talking about putting penises in vaginas, he's like, oh, you guys are the family that, <laughs> that are doing that. So and, and so that brings up, well, do we really care what other people think? And it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. It kind of becomes more of a communal conversation about how we are as a community, as a culture that we share. But important, I think. In that instance you can then plant that seed for the other kids' parents and, and have a conversation with them mm-hmm. rather than shun this, exactly what we've been talking about, rather than shun this into the shadows, why not bring it up and have a beautiful conversation about it? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's great. It, that's exactly what it is. And like I said, that's the uncomfortable part because <laughs> you can see it on people's faces. Like, oh, you guys are the ones that talk about sex with your three year old. <laughs> but you know, I, I would rather take that take on that discomfort than to have my son live in the in the shadows of this Absolutely. and and in, in the darkness of not knowing. Mm. So that's really cool. I'm glad I'm glad we let off from that place because. Talking about children, I always come back to talking about children because that's where we lay, lay the rich foundation for this stuff. But you know, speaking to the men who are listening about this, I think there's still so many guys who don't have conversations about their sexuality. And I know that semen retention and no fap and tantric practice, a lot of that, guys are going to hear this and be like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> so so where would you say is the is a good initiation point for that conversation for a guy who doesn't know anything about this stuff? To begin with, I would ask... I would ask, what is their relationship with sex? Do they watch porn? How often? What is their relationship with porn? I think actually, for, well, for me, porn was kind of the instigator because I didn't realize how much of a negative effect it had on my entire life. And mm. there are many reasons why men get into it. And it has become, it is far more addictive than even cocaine. Mm. They say that it's 35% of men are addicted to porn, but I actually would guess that it's probably more than that. And there are three things that porn can do that are not a positive thing. The first, you train yourself what you need to get aroused. So what you're looking at in porn is what is actually going to arouse you. The second thing is most guys don't get into porn for the storyline. They get into it because it's the quickest way to get aroused, quickest way to ejaculate. So you're actually training your body to ejaculate as quick as possible. Mm. And the third thing is you think that what you're watching is porn is, is what a woman actually wants in the bedroom. And in most of the cases, this is absolutely not correct. Mm. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying porn is a bad thing, but it depends on what your relationship is with it. And I've spoken to clients and they're like, when I'm teaching them about the the arousal levels and getting to the point of no return and just before that, and they say, oh, well, is it okay if I look at porn just when I'm doing this part? Because that's how I need the arousal from that. And it's like, if you need porn to get yourself aroused, then actually porn is not for you. You need to retrain your system to get that arousal without it. Mm-hmm. So for me, the, the initial conversation generally starts with porn. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes, what is it that you're actually seeking? What is it in your sexual life that either needs to evolve or could be a little bit different? Or, and then it depends on the, on the relationship that they're in and whether or not they have a self-love practice. And then it kind of just branches out from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, let's dig into that a little bit more because the training piece of porn, you know, we've, we've talked about it a little bit on the show here before, but I think what you said there specifically about what we train ourselves to provide for a, for a partner, you know, what, what we train ourselves to believe that women want in the bedroom is so far from, from the reality of it. And the majority, the, the overwhelming majority of what women are looking for. And I see it in my own relationship where I'm looking to connect physically on that physical level. And I don't know if that's just me uniquely, or if that's what most men are looking for is the physical connection. Whereas my, my partner in order for her to feel intimate, there's got to be more of that romance, that buildup, that 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 mental storyline that goes along with it. And I don't need that. I'm like, there's like a nice stiff breeze. I'm ready to go. We got an opportunity. <laughs> Let's do it. So I think that's more commonly the the dynamic and the polarity of masculine and feminine. But you look at porn and it's like it, within 30 seconds, they go from, hi, how you doing? To like, you know, slamming bodies together. Exactly. 
So it's, it's, it's really important for us to be aware of what we're training ourselves to do. And then also, well, let's just say this. What, what do you find is the biggest breakthrough moment for a man discovering, oh, I've been trying to provide this in the bedroom for so long when really it's this? I think when a man starts to understand masculine and feminine energy and the polarity that is required to actually be sexually stimulated for both men and women, when you, when you look at masculine energy or conscious masculine, the, the man or the masculine energy is, is pure consciousness. It's solid, it's, un, it's unmoving, it's grounded. Where the feminine energy is constantly moving. It's like a wave in the ocean. So what a, what a woman is turned on by is not a guy that's just like constantly moving and constantly trying to reach this finish line, but she's turned on by presence. She's turned on when you are fully in your power and you're, you sit with her and you gaze into her eyes and she knows you are there and you're not off somewhere trying to visualize what you're looking at in porn because you need to get aroused. So you have your eyes closed and, you, and you're somewhere else. They know. As soon as you drift off and as soon as you're not present, they know. And this is not attractive. So I think as soon as you start to realize, and this comes down to a conversation that you can have with your partner as well, Mm -hmm. because for some men, certain things turn them on. For some women, women, certain things turn them on. And if you don't have that conversation, then you think that she wants something and she she wants something else. She wonders why you're not giving it to her. So there needs to be this open conversation about what is it that actually gets you aroused? Mm. How can I please you? And this needs to work both ways. So it's, there's a guy called John Wineland who's, and he's a student of David Data. Incredible amount of knowledge on this topic. And it's just to realize that actually your presence is the most powerful thing that you can bring to a sexual encounter. Mm. Is a really, it's, it's a massive step. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking from my own experience, I didn't have a conversation about what I wanted sexually or, or even what my partner wanted sexually until I met my wife. (laughs) So all of the previous partners that I had and however many there were, never had that conversation before, was constantly playing the guessing game, constantly trying to read signs and read their mind and largely, I think, unsuccessfully. (laughs) And I think that that's really the thing is we're not having that conversation with our partners. It's still a very uncomfortable thing to have. I think most men would like to do some things that would please our partners because it's in our nature to be of service. But we don't want to have that conversation because there's, I think it's the storyline of, I ought to know how to please a woman without asking how to please a woman. <laughs> it's like, there we go again, trying to do it all by ourselves. And this, yeah, it's, it comes down to as well as self pleasure practice. Whereas if you, if you just go into the, into the bedroom and you just jack off and that's it, you don't really know on a deeper level what it is that turns you on physically and the same for the partner. So if you can have a practice where and I, the, the way I, I share this with clients is think of the most romantic thing you can do for your partner. So you run a bath and you put on some music and you light some incense and you do some candles. Go and take that for yourself and lie in that bath and get some oils and massage yourself and touch yourself and work out where it is on your body that is actually a little bit more sensitive than somewhere else. You have over 60 erogenous zones in the body, and, but we are so focused on our dicks and it's like, mm. we need, you know, it's just go straight for that. But if you start to, to touch yourself in other ways and you start to, to learn how else you can get aroused, you can then communicate to this, this to your partner. So, you know, maybe today you can tweak my nipples or you can scratch my back or you can you know, lick under my kneecap, whatever it is. 
rather than just expecting them to pleasure you the same old way. Mm. Wow, that's so. That's an interesting practice. I, that's it's definitely something I, I've never done that before, and I'm sure that most guys, you know, we go right for the we go right for the flagpole, <laughs> you know, the, the thing staring us, staring right back at us. <laughs> um, and this is cool. also sorry. This is also one of the steps. Is like when we go to be intimate with a partner because we are masculine, and we there has to be an ending to what we're doing. We have a goal in mind. So we always go for the orgasm. We either want them to orgasm and we want to achieve this and then we get ourselves off. Or in some cases, we just go into it with the idea of ejaculating ourselves. Mm. But if we take the goal out of sex and we go into it with the understanding that actually there doesn't have to be a goal. So suddenly the goal is gone and then you're in the art of lovemaking purely for the pleasure of it. And that's where the presence comes in. So then rather than going in and yeah, sure. Sometimes a quick fuck is actually super fun and super nice and it's what's required. Mm -hmm. But in those times where it's actually a really beautiful experience, rather than going into it with this, this goal in mind, you can actually go into it and experience the the pure pleasure of energetic lovemaking, which Mm. is an infinite amount better than just the sex that I know that I was used to back in the day. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, this, you, you bring up a great point. Cause again, for in, in my experience, I have that masculine mindset it, that that's 99% of the time of what operates for me sexually is there's a goal in mind mm. and, and you, you explained it perfectly. That's exactly what, what the masculine is, is, is having a natural completion to, to a cycle of, okay. And, and an orgasm is a natural end to, <laughs> to sex for us as men. So going into it with that mindset, of course, that's what we're aiming at. That's what we're focused on. We direct all of our energy to that one thing. But the mo- the times where I've let go of that, I don't know if we would call that a, more of a feminine space in having sex, it leads to a lot more discovery, a lot more connection, a lot more spontaneity, mm-hmm. exploration. And it all comes back to what are, you, what are you looking for? What do you want? Are you having sex because you just want to get off? Because you just want to have that organ? Some people do. And if that's what you're aiming at, then then that's how you would carry carry forward. But I think most people who are going to listen to this, who are going to find value in this conversation are going to say, I know that there's something in terms of fulfillment that I'm not getting from my sex life, or I could be having more of, and also providing more of for my partner. And that's the nature of what we're getting into here. And, and also, and I think it's actually a good segue to start talking about tantric practice, because I think a lot of people hear tantra and think, oh, well, it's just not having an orgasm. <laughs> and I've heard enough that I know it's a little bit more than just that. <laughs> so maybe you could educate us a little bit on that. Yeah, so the term Tantra is, it's very, very much misunderstood. Tantra is the Sanskrit word for web or to weave energy. And it's actually a pathway to consciousness. So a very dear brother of mine and a mentor described it as if Tantra was a forest, sex would be a leaf of the forest. Mm. Like it's an overall encompassing way of life. Mm. But if you look at the sexual practices of Tantra, you're basically using sex to elevate your consciousness and to to come into union with God. So Mm. it's a difficult thing to do if you're going to have sex and your aim is to ejaculate at the end. So Tantra is not about, let's say, conscious sexuality instead of tantra Mm -hmm. it's not about not orgasming 
it's very much different to that. It's about learning how to separate or part of it is learning how to separate your ejaculation from your orgasm because they're two separate things. And mm. I wish somebody told me this when I was 15 years old. Yeah, say that, say that again because that, that, some guys might like glaze over that. <laughs> that's, that's important. The orgasm and the ejaculation are two separate things, mm. but they just happen to be at the same time when we do the traditional methods of sex and masturbation. Mm-hmm. So through conscious sexuality, you actually, and through, through semen retention, you actually learn to separate them. So it's not that you don't orgasm. It's just that the orgasm isn't isolated into your genitals. So suddenly, think of it like a, like a balloon. You know those the balloons that the, um, the clowns have and you have to stretch them out and they're super difficult to blow up? Oh, yeah. And you blow it up a little bit and you get this little ball of air in the very beginning, but that's as far as it goes. So this balloon is our body. And when we get super aroused, we get this little ball of air down below and we just, we need to release this. So we get this super, super horny. We just need to fuck or we need to jerk off. And and then we do that and we release that energy and then we're exhausted. Mm -hmm. But through this practice and through unblocking certain energies that we've attained over our entire, or unblocking certain traumas or whatever that we've attained over the span of our life, Mm -hmm. you actually learn to increase your capacity for arousal. So now this balloon starts to fill up. And then once the balloon gets bigger and bigger, you don't release the energy through ejaculation, but you start to have these full-bodied orgasms. Mm. Because you're not releasing the energy, you can continue to go on. So if we look at sexual energy, and it's, it's a bit difficult without a diagram, but if you look at sexual energy for a man, it goes very, very, and you're looking at it on a graph, it goes very, very high up very quickly because a man's sexual energy is like fire. So it goes up and as mm-hmm. soon as he ejaculates, it drops right back down. Like he's, he's tired, he's exhausted, he's done. Whereas mm-hmm. if you look at a woman, her sexual energy is more like a cold pot of water. So on average, mm-hmm. it takes about 20 minutes to, to heat that pot of water. And then once it gets to the height, to the arousal level where she's ready to, to make love, it takes about another, on average, 20 minutes for her to actually orgasm. So if you look mm-hmm. at that on a graph compared to where a man is, it just it doesn't match up. So the idea is that you can actually, you become aroused and you get to the point of no return and you stop and you sublimate the energy and you bring this energy, the sexual energy out of your genitals and you bring it up into your heart or up into, it depends on the lineage that you're, that you're practicing. In, in the Taoist, they bring it through the microcosmic orbit. In other forms of Tantra, they bring it up into the seventh chakra, into the crown. But you're, you're literally pumping up your balloon full of sexual energy. Mm. And through this practice, you so the... The energy goes up and you get to the point of no return and then you stop and you sublimate the energy and you bring it up, you blow up this balloon and then your arousal level drops a little bit and then you, you go again and you start to make love again or you start to masturbate again and you get just to the point of no return and you stop and then you sublimate again. So you're effectively blowing, you're pumping up this balloon until eventually you're actually at the same point of bliss as your partner is and this is when you enter into states of energetic cosmic bliss and full-bodied orgasms. Because you haven't released this energy, you start to have multiple orgasms. And if you've heard about why prized fighters or sportsmen don't have sex the night before uh, mm-hmm. an event, this is because they don't want to lose this energy. And this, this energy is it's the most powerful energy we have access to. This is the energy that creates life. So mm-hmm. if you look at this from a Taoist perspective, according to the Tao, we have three types of energy. We have Shen, which is a mind and spirit. We have chi, which 
It's our life force that we get through food, we get through water and oxygen. And then we have Jing. And Jing is the primordial energy that we have a finite amount of. The, the Jing you basically use every day of your life. And depending on the vitality and health of your parents depends on how much Jing you have when you're born. But you can't get more of it. And once you run out of it, you die. So the quickest way for a man to lose his gene energy is through ejaculation. Hmm. So if you've ever jerked off or had sex and then felt guilt or shame or like, oh, fuck, why did I just do that? This is because on a physiological level, you've actually just shortened your life. You've shortened your battery pack. So the art of semen retention is to actually maintain that energy and when you fill your fill your balloon up with this energy this elevates your life in so many more ways this is not just about not ejaculating this is about expanding your your ability as a human to live a life full of this most potent energy that you have access to and this mm. is why it's a, a unbelievably life-changing practice to be to get into and to be able to master Wow. I, I just, you just definitely took me for a ride because <laughs> you were just dropping bombs all over the place of like, wow, you got me thinking. Oh, First me, of all, just let me give you one more bomb. <laughs> the Taoists say that you have between five and 6,000 ejaculations in your life and then you run out of this energy. So you store 25% of the Jing energy in your genitals, 25% in your kidneys and 50% throughout the rest of your body. The five to 6,000 ejaculations which to do the maths, 5,000 is about once a day for 30 years. When you're a teenager, you ain't doing it once a day. You're doing it multiple times. So <laughs> Breakfast, lunch, and twice before dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so once you run out of this energy through, from your genitals, you start to borrow it from your kidneys. And from your kidneys, it comes from the, from the brain and from the bone marrow. So huh. you are actually shortening your life. And they have a, a recommended table of how often you should ejaculate given your age. It's... When you're in your 20s, it's like every four days. When you're in your 30s, it's every eight days. When you're in your 40s, it's every 16 days. 50s, it's every three weeks. And when you're in your 60s, 30 days or more. So when I first got into this practice, one of my first teachers is like, go for seven weeks without ejaculating. It's like, mm -hmm. are you kidding me, man? I was doing it twice a day at that point. It's like, yeah. <laughs> seven weeks. <laughs> yeah. But as... As time went on, I started to realize, and now I know months at a time, because mm -hmm. the quality of orgasm that you can get with a full-bodied orgasm far surpasses anything that you get from a general orgasm. It takes work mm -hmm. and it takes a bit of practice, but it is, not, it is not difficult to do. And one of the metaphors that I like to use is we're being given the keys to a Ferrari, but nobody ever told us how to take it out of first gear. So imagine mm -hmm. you're cruising around life and you're in first gear and you're like, yeah, this is cool, this is fun. It's like, yeah, yeah, it is. But just imagine if somebody actually told you how to take it into fifth, how much mm. better it would be. Yeah. Well, man, okay, I've got, I've got some questions now because there's a lot of light bulbs going off in my head. First of all, the finite number of ejaculations we have in our lifetime. Really simple. Do you think that's why so many guys are suffering from erectile dysfunction these days is because of, because of this ramped up, Ejacula ejaculation that they lose that energy at some point um well you, it's not like you run out of ejaculation you you'd be able to ejaculate till you're 110 mm -hmm. but the energy is just your body's exhausted from it right erectile dysfunction there's actually an almost an epidemic now of like kids who are 18 years old 
who are having these problems. But this right. is because of porn. This is because mm. this is what I need to get aroused. And then they go to make mm. love and it's far from that. Mm. And, and then they're screwed. Their, their nervous systems can't adjust to what reality is compared to what they're used to. Right. Also, so and that's more of like a, that's like a juvenile erectile dysfunction. But what, let's, say, let's say a guy who's gone his whole life, never really had a problem, and then it just kind of wanes and then disappears in his 50s or 60s. Do you, do you, do you think there's any correlation between that or is it I different do. phenomena? I, I think there are other reasons as well, like energetic blockages. Mm. I had this one experience where I couldn't, for some reason, like I hadn't had problems for a long time. When I was younger, it was a different story. But, and then this teacher, she's like, just, do you feel this point here? I'm like, ah, yeah. That's, and she pressed about two and a half inches below my belly button. And there's a pulse point there. And it's an energy, there was an energetic blockage. And because of that blockage, it doesn't allow blood to flow and it doesn't allow energy to flow. Mm. I spoke to another guy who he received a tantric massage and he said that there was a point where, that she was massaging and he could feel it. He could feel it break away. And as soon as it did, he had this flashback to when he was a child and his mum caught him jerking off and she slapped his dick. So we store this kind of trauma inside of our bodies. And the older mm. you get, the more trauma you have. And if you don't do, if you don't have a practice like as simple as massaging your testes and squeezing your scrotum and these kinds of things, these blockages start to build up and yeah, problems occur. So that's a really fascinating thing for me too, which you just said right there, like having a, a practice of squeezing your, our testicles and massaging our scrotum. Cause it's funny you see, you see teenage boys doing this naturally. You know, I remember when I was a kid, you, you'd, you, a lot of the, the guys they would hang out with their hands in their pants and, and they were just kind of like doing that. They were like playing with their balls. And, and a lot of, you know, you look at it, you're like, oh, quit playing with your nuts. But it's, there's these things that we do intuitively and then they get trained out of us, right? They get disciplined out of us because somebody catches us jerking off and they smack our dick. Or, you know, a teacher catches us with our hands in our pants and says, don't do that. That's inappropriate. So there's, it's in our nature to do this stuff, right? It's not like, I mean, now we have to think about it because it's been trained out of us. Exactly. If, for instance, if you have a, a sore shoulder, you get somebody to massage your shoulders. Mm. so it's just another part of the body and it's something that we can so easily just massage ourselves but nobody ever does it because as you mm. said you get told to stop that from a very young age it's inappropriate don't do that so sure you might mm. sit there with your hand on your dick but next time you do that actually just feel what it's like to have one nut in each hand and to just actually massage it or to get your mm. scrotum and to actually just really pinch it and squeeze it and see how that feels and and you're actually doing yourself a great benefit. Man, these these traumas, these Im, these imprints and impressions go so deep. Because even as you're saying that, and, and we're having a very open conversation about it, I, I can feel that there's a, a part in my history where I, that's making that wrong. It's like, oh, dude, that's so weird. You know, like pulling my scrotum apart or massaging my nut. Like, that's a really, that's that's just bizarre. So I know that, and a lot of other guys are going to hear this and just be completely, there's going to be a resistance to it. So mm. I want to say this, you know, lean into that a little bit, be, be a little bit curious about that. You know, ask yourselves if, if this is edgy or confrontational for you, why, why is, why is that such a bizarre or strange or whatever thing? And see if you can make a connection between maybe at some point in your past, you were told that that's weird mm. or that what, what was the story of, of sex and sexuality that you had, that you received? Cause Ultimately, when we zoom out to a macro level, there's a much bigger conversation to be had. 
And it's like, what is, what is the culture around sexuality? And how is that, how is that influencing these other domains of our society? When we don't have men and women who are free to express themselves sexually, doesn't that create unhealthy expressions of sexuality? By nature, as soon as we introduce the forbidden fruit and say, don't touch that, what do we do as humans? <laughs> right? yeah. I'm not a biblical person, but it's in the Bible. If you make this forbidden, then they will seek it. <laughs> and let's call it a sin. But if we don't call it a sin, we just treat it as human nature, then what, what becomes possible? Right. So that actually, you said so much great stuff here, man. I know we got to start tying it up. I wanted to ask you about the importance of men being in command of our sexual energy. And I don't know if command is the right word, but I think in larger terms around, you know, the prevalence of rape and, and sexual assault that's occurring in our society, do you, do you see a correlation between men having a healthy relationship with their sexuality so that we can make the world a more safe place for women and for all of us, really? Absolutely, man. It's a beautiful question. There's when you are not in control of your sexuality, because A, you don't understand it. As soon as the, the energy builds up and it, it builds up and then you have this urge to just go out and release this tension, it can be released in, in really unhealthy, really damaging ways. Mm. But when you know how to control it and when you know how to... So let me just backstep one sec. So it's not about never ejaculating again. It's about having full control over when you do. And I know a lot of women who have come to me and said, man, I've met this amazing guy. He's so great in so many ways, but fuck, the sex lasts for a minute. Mm. And this in itself, so this guy has this, this problem in, in the bedroom where he doesn't last so long. And then this creates a pain inside of him. And this creates a trauma because he doesn't feel like he's good enough. So then he takes this and he projects it out into others and his relationship doesn't work. And once that guy learns how to master his own sexual energy, suddenly his entire life shifts because it's such a, such a big part of our lives being able to have a beautiful, intimate relationship with a partner that once you can control it, once you can master that, then suddenly you can take that, that confidence and that energy into other areas of your life. You can take it into business. You can take it into into, your, into the sporting field. You can do it wherever that you just, not only do you have that confidence, but you have this buildup of energy, of this potent primal energy. And it's a, completely mm. shifts your life. Yeah, man. It's a very fascinating topic for me. The, the thing you also said about the, the prized fighters not ejaculating before a fight or just athletes in general, that it is a vital life force. And just imagining how many of us don't have access to that because we're constantly ejaculating. I was, when you said the thing about, what was it, five to 6,000 ejaculations in a lifetime? I had like the ticker going off in my head. I was like, man, there's times in my life where that number was just spinning like an odometer, <laughs> you know, just like, Jesus. I'm like, oh man, I wonder what mine is at. And holy cow. So uh, just a lot of great things that, that you brought up here, man. Uh, there's so much to dig into. Probably just have to do like a part two of this sometime because I'm, I'm interested to see what the feedback is from other guys. Uh, it's, it's really great work that you're doing. And I, I myself have learned so much from this conversation. Is, is there anything on this topic at large else that has not already been said or something you want to emphasize before we start to wrap up here? Yeah, I, one thing that I uh, would like to emphasize is that I was in a position where I had no control over my sexual energy. And I looked up to these tantric masters and to people like Sting who could you know, go for hours without ejaculating and can have multiple orgasms. And I, I put them on a pedestal as something that was unattainable and unreachable. And 
so I went on this journey and I actually started to discover that anybody can do this. This is not something that you need years and years of practice. This takes a little bit of information, a little bit of practice. Well, you know, it's, I've spoken to people that within two weeks, they're like, man, I've just had this fucking amazing multiple orgasm. And it's like, it's not a difficult thing. So don't look at this, uh, at this topic like it's something for other people. This is something that can fundamentally change your life. Mm. And it's such a beautiful thing to be able to do and to be able to share with people. Awesome, man. That's, that's, that's a great piece to finish off on because uh, I'm sure there's a lot of guys who would count themselves right out of the conversation from the beginning. And if, if you've done nothing else, I hope that we've made it more of an inviting and warm conversation to be a part of because to be able to speak about sexuality openly, going all the way back to the beginning of what we taught, how we said we are with our children and what we're introducing. I think of so much about, so much about legacy and culture and what we're leaving behind. And if, if we can correct this a little bit, or not, not correct it, but amplify the culture of sexuality and, and the healthy conversations we have around sexuality, I think we'd be going a long way. And it all, it starts with us. It starts with each of us having that conversation within ourselves first. That's exactly so. it, man. We need to have this conversation with ourselves. And then from that, we can start to teach others and we can start to teach our children and we can, we can shift this stigma around sexuality because it is one of the most beautiful things that we can do. And it, it needs to be seen. It needs to be, to be understood in, with that divine kind of light around it. It's not mm-hmm. just something that happens, as you said before, behind closed doors. Like this, this is something that there needs to be this open, conscious conversation about it. And we need to be more aware of our own sexuality for this to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for being a leader in that, man. You know, just knowing a bit about your story and you going on your own personal journey of exploration and discovery and what that's allowed you to do, to be able to come here and to educate all of us on this topic and, and get light the fires for all these conversations that we're going to start having within ourselves, man. I really, really honor you for that. Okay, I've got a few questions to ask you to just to wrap thank up you, here. Yeah, you got it, man. A couple, of, a couple of quick wrap-up questions. So what is one thing you've learned in your life that you wish you knew when you were 18? Uh, listen to my heart. Regardless of what other people say, follow my heart. It mm. doesn't lie. Yeah, I love that one. I also like what you said in the middle of this conversation that you wish, when you were 15, you wish someone told you that orgasm and ejaculation are not, <laughs> not the same thing. That was huge, man. I wish someone told me that too. I'm glad someone told me that at 31. <laughs> <laughs> I just learned that today, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, man. Thanks for sharing that. So what, here's another one. What do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Integrity, for sure. Mm. And this is awesome. something that it's um, through getting into men's work, it's something that I realized I was lacking big time. And not with other people, but more so for myself. Like I'd say I'd do mm. something and I wouldn't do it. And this, this integrity that we have with ourselves is super important. Because you're the only person that you can rely on. And if you start to lie to yourself, even with little things like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym in the morning. And then you get up and it's like, ah, no, maybe I'll do something else. It's like, no, if you're going to do something, if you're going to say something, then do it. And this, mm-hmm. this has caused a, quite a profound shift in my life as well now. That just this kind of fundamental integrity. And if I say something, then I need to do it. Mm. I 100% echo that, man. And it's definitely a practice. It's not something, it's... It's clear cut when you are being your word or not being your word, but to be men of our word, to do it impeccably is, is the practice mm. and learning how to do that. Yeah, man. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that integrity piece. I really resonate with that. 
last but not least, where can people follow you, reach out to you, connect with you, anything you've got out there that, that guys can access to, to learn more about what we're talking about today? I just use my, my Instagram, which is the tag is Nick Warner, N-I-C-W-A-R-N-E-R. Um, and from there, you can connect to me and I offer online kind of Skype coaching. Otherwise, I do men's circles every couple of weeks in Berlin and then a men's workshop. And the next one's going to be late July, middle of July, I think. Nice. Also out in Berlin or somewhere yes. else? Yes, that's in Berlin also. Excellent, man. So people can access all this information through your IG account? Exactly, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, make sure you guys go and, and follow my bro, Nick, here. Uh, clearly, he's got a wealth of wisdom. I feel like we, it was one leaf in that forest that we, that we picked up today. <laughs> so much more you could share. Hey, man, thanks for sharing what you have and taking the time to be here today. I really appreciate that. Pleasure, man. Thanks for asking. It wasn't until we hit record on this episode that I realized how taboo of a topic sexuality is for men. A lot of guys, we talk about having sex with people ourselves, etc. But we don't talk about the details of it. It's like a, a weird, uncomfortable thing for guys to talk about. And in this conversation with Nick, as you guys heard, I, I was noticing some of my own resistances and discomforts and insecurities arise in the conversation. So I can imagine what that must be like for other men out there. And I think it's something that we all get to open up and expand our possibilities and put away our ego to be willing to talk about this stuff, be willing to talk about and explore what sexuality really is for us. It's the same conversation we're having about your personal truth around your life, your life's mission, your life purpose. What is your personal truth around your sex and sexuality? What is your personal truth around the way you like to be stimulated, the way you like to engage in sex with yourself, with other people? It's just a really rich conversation that we don't often get into. And I think Nick is a wonderful person to be in this conversation with. He's such a, a grounded presence, a grounded person. And even just listening to him speak about some of these wisdoms, these, these insights that he's had was really enlightening for me. So I hope you guys got as much out of this episode as I did. And that this continues to stir up this conversation of sexuality amongst men, specifically amongst men in our circles, in our groups, in our communities where we gather and we talk about things. Let's throw sexuality onto the agenda. Let's see what happens when we start talking about that. All right, guys, I mentioned all of our fall lineup for everything we got coming out at the top of the show. So if you didn't hear it, go back, check it out. We've got our one day Call of the Warrior event where we're going to learn the haka from my bro, Leon Ruri, and his whole crew that's coming over from Australia. September 7th, down in LA. If you can be there, make it happen. It's going to be epic. You can find more information at rise.jediazuma.com. We're also opening up our fall compass four day vision fast crew. So if you are interested in going on a four day vision fast, fast out in the desert getting clear on your life's mission your life purpose and really getting the jump start you need to get things going in your life make sure you hit me up with a direct message so we can get you on board as always make sure you guys join us inside the rising man fire circles our virtual mastermind of men from all over the world gathering to connect to collaborate to convene and discuss what it means to be a man in this day and age you've got direct contact with me and the rising man fire squad as well as over 15 men from all across the world and we're going to be launching a european circle for you guys who have a hard time making the call soon too so make sure you go sign up to be a part of that head over to patreon.com slash rising man 
to get signed up today. As always, check out the show notes for links and resources at therisingmanpodcast.com. Please subscribe and follow us on the podcast app of your choice that you listen to us to. We are making a concerted effort to get more reviews, more ratings, specifically on iTunes, but any of the platforms where you listen to The Rising Man, please give us a review, give us a comment, give us a rating, a five-star rating if you believe we deserve it so that we can keep rising the charts and be more appealing to higher and higher tiered guests. We want to do this. We want to bring a, a wider array of men from different walks of life in here to talk to our Rising Man community and those reviews, those ratings really help. So please make sure you do that. Take three minutes to do it right now before you do anything else. Just pull over the car, you know, wait to go into work a couple extra minutes just to get that done. I really appreciate it. Screenshot it, send it to me and I'll give you a shout out on the socials. Speaking of socials, check us out on Instagram at Rising Man Podcast. My man Rowan Tan doing some awesome work up in there. Please keep sharing those images, share that account, follow us, tag us, do everything so we can keep getting this message out there to more men. It's working. It's really working. There's a lot more men who have been hitting me up every single day. So for all you guys who are supporting us like that, please continue to do so. Big shouts to my Rising Man Power team, Sean Offenbach at Infinite Melodics at Infinite M-E-L. L-O-D-I-X on Instagram. Rowan Tan, I already mentioned him. My man, Julian Subic, who's always putting up the show notes and publishing these episodes behind the scenes. He does all the stuff that nobody gets to see. So everybody, make sure you guys hit up Julian Subic. Give him some love. Let him know how much he's appreciated because if it wasn't for him, you guys wouldn't be hearing this every week. And my man, Mark Rose. For you guys who don't know Mark, he is our rising man, fire circle, tender. He's the community manager of that area of what we do and he's been really holding it down in a big way so mark rose thank you for what you're doing man and everybody else out there so much love for you guys i'm really feeling this rising man movement starting to take greater form greater momentum it's all because of you guys it's all because of you guys continuing to believe in what we're doing and spreading the message so until next time rise up and claim your destiny